Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. All right. Good morning, church. All right, nice to see everybody. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Um, and we're, today we're having a very interesting conversation, me, myself, and I. Um, today we're going to try and track, track them for a bit. But um, first of all, I will, I will start by commending Travel Mark team for yesterday. Mr. I think there are three levels that we must keep in mind. We're first a spirit. We have a soul and live in the body. Now, when we become born again, born again is a spiritual reality. So, the, the spirit level, you have um, you have new nature. That's what God impacts on us. At your soul level, soul is, I would use the word rewire. There's sort of like a rewiring that goes on at this level. At your body level, there is the sense of mastery of your senses all right so now when you get born again here is the reality the born again is first a spiritual reality god impacts on you a new nature that's what paul was saying now when you come to your soul in romans 12 the bible says see your soul is not quite there yet so the, the soul is has five components the mind is an essential part of the soul so there is the mind your emotions are in your soul um your will your intellect your imagination are in your soul so you realize that those your solical realm is not quite reclaimed or restored in fact every day you wake up there is a battle to ensure that you keep that part of your life sane because this is where your most the attack comes first the enemy comes in as a thought so you realize you just see a beautiful girl you're gone so your soul captures whatever it sees and your body you know sends the renders it to your body so my point is this is the reality of our life so paul saw something one day paul complained um, the apostle was quite upset. You know, Paul would say things like, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we all declared, yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But guys, let's look at Romans 7. Paul wasn't quite saying the same thing at that point. And I, initially I was like, Baba Paul, is that supposed to be the plan? But let's see what he says in, um, this is um, Romans 7. Let's look at 17. So it's in verse, Romans 7, verse 16. This is where he starts to complain. He recognized something about himself, the world within. He says, now, if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is good, morally excellent. So now, if, okay, I think I'm using the, but do you have it up? Okay, let's go with this. The Can you give me the NKJV? You don't have that one? Okay. So now, I'm no longer the one no, go back to 16. Let's track from there. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Let's go back to 16 and see where... 15, sorry. Go back to 15. Go back to 14. Let's see. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. 
Now go over to 15. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Can anybody relate with this? This, this moment of flesh? Alright, so this is Paul. I, I wish he was Ferdinand. But he made me feel normal for once. Like, after giving you the episodes, Baba woke up one day and realized that there's some struggles that don't go away that fast. But there is a context to this that I need us to unpack because if we don't understand the composition of our lives, we'll never quite get it. The battle we are facing in life is won at the level of the soul. When God sees me, my flesh is still active in, the, in a way. You still have individuals and all of those things because you're, you're biological. And God gave you those things for a purpose. Tolu said something yesterday that was so powerful. He said, let's not forget that God invented pleasure. Just before you think that God is opposed to pleasure, all right, but that's not even the most revelatory thing he said. He actually said, if it was just about sex, God could have made sex for procreation, and then it could have just been mechanical, something out of necessity, like taking a bath. But God didn't make it that boring. He embellished it with pleasure. He invented sex. So sex is God's idea. So we cannot think that God is, there's something wrong in the way God is trying to protect us, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, God understood that there's pleasure that God invented. But something happened in Genesis 3 that took the world as God created and made a mess of the world. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Now, think about it for a second. Adam and Eve appeared in this garden. Everything was perfect. Life was going good. And one day, there was a law in Genesis 3. And God says, do not do this, do not do this. They woke up and they did the exact thing God told them not to do. Now, in just one fell swap, these guys woke up and realized that they heard the voice of God. What happened to them? They were afraid. And what was the second thing? They hid. They realized they were naked. So, right in Genesis 3, for the first time, we see fear. Don't forget that when God created them in 2, 1 and 2, all the creation process, there was no fear. Fear was unnatural to Adam. Shame was unnatural to Adam. Guilt was unnatural to Adam. But the moment they ate the fruits, everything started to look different. And everything took on a new meaning. Even their concept of identity was lost. So Adam didn't know who he was anymore. He lost identity. Let me tell you what one other thing that was lost. Love. Adam could not even love. You understand? And back, we just started to see everything fall apart. Fear. So we recognize the emotion of fear. There was fear. There was shame. And then there was self-preservation. Uh, guilt self was down the road ladder because those two, the guilt wasn't a redemptive guilt. You know, because even, the, I mean, what, okay, let's, let's see if we can process this thing. God shows up and says, Adam and Eve, what did you guys do? Eve could have gone, oh my Lord, I'm so sorry. Dad, I just didn't know what came over me, Dad. It was all my fault. I'm so sorry. Guess what Adam said? Well, Lord, I think um, it's your fault, Lord. This woman you gave me, by the time you plant God there, like God, God saw that the guy was alone. And God said, let me end this loneliness. Give you a wife. And things didn't pan out well. You, you turn to God and say, well, Lord, if you had not given me the woman, I probably would not have ventured to that fruit in the first place. So what we see there was self-preservation. Adam started to think of himself first above everything. So self-preservation in the context of the fall, to con self was now abused. Love was lost. Identity, culture, I must let you know, most of what we think we know in the context of how God created the world has fallen short of the glory. All right? So even the way we love, the best of Hollywood movie 
happily ever after. Trust me, it has nothing on the kind of love God offers. So we are just trying to make up all of human life is this nostalgia that we have that was in Eden that we didn't quite understand it was there. So what you've been said to feel that every day Adam and Eve woke up, they were looking for Eden. Eden brought us here. There was something in our spirit that was yearning, you know, just that desire of looking for God. Because there is that God-shaped void in every one of us that only God can feel. Think about it. Go to Quillos, go to DNA, go everywhere. You just wake up the next morning. You are hanging over and you're, you're just wondering, is this all there is? And your ATM is now empty. So, but here, you find out that you brought all these things for the experience, yet it cannot satisfy because you're not designed to be satisfied by experience. You're designed to find experience in God. So everything else becomes secondary when that is not primary. So when we make secondary things primary, we have it all backwards. So our, our pursuit is first, get God. And then everything, trust me, if you go for money and you don't have God, that money will become your God. It will define you. If you go for love and you're not self-assured in who you are in God, that love you ruin it. Trust me, you lose relationship after relationship because you don't ha- you haven't solved the one in your heart. So you're putting pressure on people to play God for you, to be daddy, mommy, everything, and they have to be there all the time and they crack. And then they don't measure up. They're not man enough. Or they're not my wife material enough. You know, we have all the prototypes of how we play it out. Like, well, she didn't measure up. She didn't cook. She didn't do this. Okay, fine. You, he, he was not man enough. He, he's not giving me a gift in the, in the last few years. Whatever that is. But by the time you profile those things, those things are symptoms of a deep reality that maybe people don't even know about. So, all of Adam's life became backwards, mother, shame. Now, when we were born into culture, we were introduced to Adam before we were introduced to Christ. So, when we say dying to self, you know, I need us to redefine it a bit this morning. Because oftentimes, people will interpret dying to self as a rejection of self. Or as the death of self. See, self is useful. God needs self. But self in the redeemed version of self is what God wants us to do. Self in Adam is a limitation. Self in Adam is dangerous. But when God, you know, I'll, I'll walk you through that. So, at the end of the day, from Genesis 3, we now realize that though God gave us self as a sense of awareness, I will even give you the back end of how self is formed. Now, we are talking about me, myself, and I. What is self? Let me ask the question. Anybody, any psychologist, sociologist, what is self? Consciousness. Fine. Awareness. Anything else? Awareness and consciousness. Now, the reality is that we think we are our consciousness. What I mean is, what you know about yourself, your memory, all your experiences in life, your family, your life, everything is, com- is part of your consciousness. But the reality is that consciousness is not the spirit. Consciousness is formed as you grow. So consciousness is not static. It is dynamic. So right now, if you've been in the tribe for three months, there's a new consciousness that is unfolding in you that you're picking culture, this, this way of loving, living, doing all of those things. So yourself is evolving in the context of your community. And that's why God gave us community, because community is actually how self is formed. There's a reflection, there is like an interaction of desire. So let me tell you, I have a a four-year-old now. All right, so I remember at some point, he would look at his mother, he would look at me, and he would do something, he would do, you know, he he likes, yesterday he said, "Um, I'm feeling clumsy. (laughs) No, you know, the kind of words he uses, even me, I was like, they don't use this, your age, they don't use this word. Awkward, like, I mean, what are you saying? You understand? So the point is that too much English around his life. So he's not, I, I don't even know if he understands them. You know, but I know he uses them well. 
So maybe he does. I don't know, guys. Maybe I'll figure it out along the line. But he used that word. Why? Because his self is a function of the environment he is. If you take him out of the place we live and put him, there was this movie we watched where the guy was found, um, it was a lost baby raised by monkeys. And that guy could jump like monkeys. I don't know if you've seen that movie. The guy was going from one... No, that was... I was it Tanzan. It was another one. Yeah, but even Tanzan has that narrative. Yeah, I think that was it. So, but the point was that that environment formed in sense of self and heightened his ability to do gymnastics. I don't want to go try him out jumping trees. You land. So, at the end of the day, there was the story we there was a story we read about an eagle. The eagle was actually um, lost. The egg was lost, and the chicken mother hen found the eagle, took her in, and spent the entire period brooding over it with her chicken, and eventually hushed. The eagle spent a lot of time struggling to measure up because chickens were designed for ground now. They were moving fast. They will come first in class. The eagle was like, man, ah, man, I just a poor child, too poor. And they would have told him, eagle, you're not smart enough. You should kill yourself. You know, you know how these, all these wicked friends do it, you know. And maybe she just didn't fit in, but she didn't know that she was not designed for the earth, for the ground. She just didn't know who she was, so she defined herself by who she was not. She took on the standard of culture and chicken to measure who she was. And before long, she started to feel less than who she was. And Mother Eagle came and said, you know what, I have an idea for you. And she came and she took her by the nape of her neck, took her up to the high, uh, high altitude, and left her. She, you know how they teach eagles to fly? They endanger them. Their mothers just say, bye-bye. Like, and they start falling. And halfway through, she got this buoyancy. She discovered that the flight was built in her before she was born. But she could have lived an entire life like a chicken and die like a chicken. Should I tell you the facts? This is an allegory of the life of Christ. Christ was the mother eagle that came to reveal about who we are while we're buried like the culture. We're just going like this. And Christ was saying, no, no, there is a plan. So Christ was not just an example of us. He was an example for us and of us. So as he is, so are we. So you cannot use any templates to define who you are but Christ. So the crisis of the church is that we have too many templates. Even your man of God is a dangerous template. Because if you burn my template, you might break traffic one of these days. Guys, I'm working in that area of my life. The amber is always race. I would, no, it's always so. The other day I, I told myself, Lord, is this how we're going to do it? You understand? No, so the point, a man of God cannot be your template. He's, he's on his own journey. You understand? God is dealing with them, carrying everybody. So the day you make the man of God your idol, you're in trouble. Because one day you just realize the pastor had a girlfriend in Abuja and, and two. This man of God, I'll not do it again. Because the point was, the man of God wasn't your standard. You understand? And then again, some men of God are not so wise. They put themselves on the pedestal. And they don't try to be vulnerable or real. So they look tidy from outside, like, man, I have it all figured out. <laughs> this God thing, I have an A. You know, but at, at the end of the day, the reality is there. So people are plastic. Nobody's real. But I can tell you that for real life, for you to see true transformation, reality must be there. So as we are allowing ourselves to be real and vulnerable, the chances that you feel people will judge you or take advantage of it and defy you by your struggle. But the bigger picture is you will evolve because that which you expose, you conquer. You understand? You will evolve and we will celebrate the journey with you. All right. So Christ was that demonstration of God's life hidden in each and every one of us that we were oblivious to. But the tragedy of the life of a Christian is that even when Christ has revealed who he is, we continue to define ourselves by who we are not in culture. So that's where you come back to all of this whole broken emotion, me, myself, and I. Now, when Paul, Paul started to give context to the life we now have in Christ, there was something Paul spoke about. So I'll, I'll define this that, self, remember I said self is not bad, but the redemptive self 
is not you. The redeemed self, what I'm talking about, the self you know, your consciousness, the redeemed self, is actually Christ now in you. So remember what Paul said in Galatians 2, verse 20, 21. He says, no longer I live. Christ now lives me. Let's look at it, Galatians 2. Think. Galatians All right, so um, let's look at 2 verse 20. It said, I have been crucified with Christ. Are you there? Okay, let's go with this one. Are you there? Okay, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I will not live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's crack it for a second. Let's crack it because you know I love when the Bible gives you this kind of explicit meaning. I no longer... I, and I no longer live. What was he referring to? He was referring to self in the context of our consciousness. That your memory, everything you thought you were, because let me give you the back end. So if you were born into culture, what's the natural trajectory? Start a Montessori or primary school. All right. You finish primary school, you get into some people jump, they didn't do nursery. They went to secondary. Or you know, there was this nursery in my neighborhood where the, the nursery was a class. And the, the, there was the window, the, the, it's like the block finish when they were building it. So you would just come and be looking for your younger brother. That one. <laughs> you understand? The teacher, you know, when it's raining or it's sunny, you understand? The, that place, you don't want to know what that experience is. So, but maybe that you went through that one then. But the natural trajectory after nursery, you get into secondary school, primary, secondary, university. After university, what's the next thing? Get a job. NYC, unfortunately. Then get a job. What next? Get married. And what next? Have kids. What next? Retire. What next? But your, your president is 72. All right. So um, at the end of the day, you can still find new meaning and run for an election even at 78. Just saying. All right. So at the end of the day, that is how we are defined. So your concept of self, it's a composition of all of these things. Your school, your profile. So people spend tremendous amount of time investing in their context, in self in the context of culture. They don't know that yourself, as you're conscious of it, is only a fragment of who you are. Like it's only, and you've confined it with boundaries. So if you define yourself by your consciousness, you've confined it with boundaries. So the class, we, we did a class the other day called Life in the Spirit, and we're trying to trace our origin in God. That we did not begin when we were born. And when God said, you, you began in God, think about it. God said, you know, the, they were hidden in Christ before the foundations of the world were already hidden in Christ. Before we were even on the scene, God made, it, made up his mind to slay him. So if Christ was slain before the foundation of the world, meaning that he, he had seen your sin and had made your provision for salvation ahead of time, which means he knew you enough to know you for. All right, so at the end of the day, that's the depth of how God, how far God sees us and plans for that. So all of this self that we're dealing with right now, if we define self the day you were born, May 16, and as you enter earth, everything you know is your own version of truth, you will live a lie. Because truth is only found in God. So when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say I am? You know what? They gave him a revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Because it takes a revelation to know who you are. 
Some people have equated self with identity. But our identity is not in ourself. Our identity is in Christ. So what it means is that regardless of the circumstances of your life, define yourself in Christ. Whether you have a good job today or not, define yourself in Christ. Your joy should not be tied to your circumstances. So I'm having issues with Christians today because we have false expectations. Because we think that we got born again, so God will solve our, meet all our needs and serve us. But God didn't, that was not what God had in mind though. God was looking for people that he will express himself through. God was looking for hands and feet, people that he will use and love. And you, you are looking for the next best car. So there was a crisis of expectation. And then unfortunately, the night you gave your life to Christ, the pastor said, there are five people here that the Lord will raise as billionaires. In fact, he saw five dangotes. And you quickly responded. It wasn't that you had a revelation of who you are in God. It was that you, you were lured by the, 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 the dangotes narrative. And you wanted to be another rich man. So in a sense, you were using God as a means to your end. You were not in God for God. You were in God for what you could get. And the tragedy of a Christianity that, that is built in that way is that you never see transformation. We can be a, a million people in this society. Corruption will be so widespread. Because the reality is, God, that heart place of conformity to the life of God is lost on you. So here is the thing about this whole idea of self. Self is, it's, like I said, is a construct. Which means if you are in a Christian community, yourself will evolve based on what you have. Alright, but there's something Paul said here that no longer I live, but Christ now lives in me. What he was talking about is that when you become born again, you receive Christ now becomes your life. Yourself is, is, is sort of like dead. God puts out the old self and he puts on a new self in Christ. So the you I see now is your God, God united self. Like you have now one with God. So Christ said union. He said, for we are one with Christ. You understand? He spoke about union. Paul spoke about union. In, I think it was in um, Second Corinthians or there about when he said, for we are united in Christ. We have become one with him. And Christ had an accurate understanding of this. He said, see, your, your definition of self is not as apart from God, but it is in him. So he kept saying, in Christ you live, you move and have your being. What this means is that you're not, you're not, your motivations in life your motives in life must borrow from Christ. So if Christ is now the life you now live, and that life you live by the faith of the Son of God, you know, there was, um, think about it, I live by the faith in the Son of God. The old King James actually said, I live by the, the, the faith of Christ. All right? And I kept asking God, why would you use that word, the faith of Christ? Because the truth is that there is a faith that God supplies in Christ. For you to be able to live the life he has called you to live. Today, that faith of Christ is not self-centered. It is God-centered. So that faith of Christ is not for cars. It's for expressing God to our world. So the quality of the faith of Christ, we need to redefine it. But don't forget, self, in the context of your life, is you and Christ, now one and the same. There are no boundaries. Your motivations are powered by his love. Your motives are powered by him. But if your motives and your motivation still borrows from culture where you're coming, you will suffer disappointment. You know, they told us now. You know, God told us that. See, He said, "You'll be like wolf in sheep." The world is a terrible place. You, you, you would, you, be, you have to be wise. There was a scripture I said, "Be as wise as serpent, as gentle as a dove," because He actually knew that the broken nature of Adam is capable of destroying you. So He actually said, "Don't live for, for your own. Don't live for self. Live for Christ." And what this means is that 
when you come into the world, people are going to do wrong by you. People are going to try to take advantage of you. People will betray you. They will. So if you are expecting that they will not, you don't pray them away. They're around. Jesus couldn't pray out Judas. Jesus was in the, Jesus was, was in every meeting. You understand? But the point is, we must not become defined by those circumstances. We cannot choose to love today or not love because somebody has wronged us. So if you if you were kind, you borrowed somebody money and the person doesn't pay, therefore anybody that wants help from you is no longer qualified for help. You're wrong. You're not meant to define yourself by circumstances. You're actually meant to... That's what it means, that when your faith, the, faith, the kind of faith you have, is a faith that is, birth, that is rooted in culture, everything will change with it. But we are rooted in Christ. And as he is, so are we. So John, first John says, when he's revealed, we'll see that we are like him. So the point is, God is our ref- reference. We are the reflection. When it comes to self, Christ is our reference. How did he live his life? What were his motivations? Did he love for real? Did he shut out people who didn't qualify? Sitting next to you might be someone who is really desperate for God and broken. And if all we do is dance and go home, but never love, we have never lived. Because love is living. And when God made us in his image and his likeness, the only reason why he did that is so we could love like him. The image was the capacity to express love. Without that image, we'll never love. And his love, we are. Because he is, we are. So the definition of Christianity is love. And self that is selfless and pouring of yourself is what you're called to do when you're redeemed in Christ. So don't let anything else misinterpret the scriptures for you. It will be tough, but you will choose to love. Love above culture. They will hurt you. Love them. Love, love above that. You will feel pain. Plan and, when you cry, clean your eye. And realize that this is the world we are called to live in. I wish I could tell you that it's going to be a lot easier. You will fall in love and they will break your heart. All right? But does it then mean that you are, God doesn't love you anymore or something, Christianity is not working for you? No. It's not for just the comforts that we're called. We are called because God needed bodies. God wanted to work in us. So we that are now redeemed in Christ, your news, me, myself, and I, is simply Christ. When they press orange, they get orange juice. So if Christ is now in you, when they press you, they must get Christ. But either they press you and they get Mupu. <laughs> you understand? Only you can, you can mobilize a battalion to somebody's house. Like, no, they, 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 they dented my car. You know, you know so how they'll dent somebody's car, they'll block the whole road, nobody moves. There was even one man, oh God, the, the dent wasn't significant. But the man was not going to, do you know? And mm, I was even very upset. I was asking myself, because the toll gate at that time, they had only two red. And I was asking myself, why didn't they open everything? Two people now, they, they refuse anybody else to pass. See, if we can love for real, this Lagos will change. We must not become sent a pursuit of God. Wealth and riches will come. In fact, God has actually built into the principles of life how to become wealthy. You don't need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit will not reveal you on how to get wealthy. He will. But I'm saying that if that becomes the yardstick for success, then you wonder why Dangote doesn't speak in tongues. And you've been speaking for a while. So the point again is that we cannot use these false parameters of culture to define who we are in God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. There was this particular uh, one, I, I one translation that says, do not know yourself again from the human point of view. So there are two things when you talk about self. There's the human point of view. Okay. 
there's the human point of view, point of view, and there's the uh, Christ point of view, POV. So, the human point of view, this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. All things have passed away. So, I speak of the new nature that God has imparted into your spirit. Have passed away and look, new things have come. Go to the next. No, I think we should, we should go to, let's go to 16. Now, see what it says from here. From now on, then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Let's pause for a second. This is what God is trying to get to. And this is what Paul, Paul, was, Paul was admitting of a particular struggle because that transition of putting out the old man and putting out the new is a reality. But this, your soul, will keep trying to yearn for what. That's why there's a rewiring, a reprogramming of your mind. And that is where the self is found. If at any point in time we expose you to certain kind of activities, you realize that you build a pattern that is consistent with... So right now, my routine when I wake up, it's... Worship and word, and some days um, you pray, pray, do one hour, do two hours, and you're happy. So that's the routine. Okay, but if you flip it and you come into um, into the world, before now, when you wake up in the, in the morning, it's Netflix. And they're waiting for you, and they're in fact, these days, I think um, Marvel, they don't want people to grow. Just when you're seeing one, they're telling you that, my brother, not so fast, stay alive. For you don't want to miss what's coming. All right, so, you know, if you're living for the next Marvel, realize that the greatest marvelous one is already inside of you. So you are the Marvel the world needs to see, not another movie. Honestly, if you know yourself in that way, so do not know yourself purely after a human point of view. Are you defining yourself by your struggle? You're not your struggles. You're not your feelings. And this is, there's a flow so when you begin to understand this, there are three things you must think. There is the think, and your thinking gives birth to what? Your feeling. And your feeling gives birth to your actions. So this is the trajectory of many Christians. If your thinking here is not renewed, your feelings will accustom to whatever you're thinking, and your actions will follow. If you're trying to shake or shape your actions, but not attack your thinking level, according to Romans 12, Romans 12, if that renewal is not going on, what will happen here is that if you clean it, it will come back. It will, if you clean it, it will come back. And you're wondering, I deleted it yesterday. It's back. Because the point is, it is from here. And so you, you, you don't go from action, you don't go from actions to feeling, to think. Change the way you, you change the way you feel. And eventually you change the way you act. And then God has given us the recipe for changing the way we think. That's we meditate on the word and we abide in him. So the, when you abide in him, there is a new self that is a product of intimacy. When you abide with him, there is a new self that is a product of revelation. When you abide with him, there is a new self that is now like the, the, the person God really wants to use. An expression of God, a unique expression of God. So we are all meant to be a unique expression of God to our world. We are his body. He calls us his temple. God did not destined it. The church is not a building. We can even meet outside the camp and God will show up. Because you bring church with you. Church is not a place. It's a people. So let's not even reduce God to institution or dogma or doctrine. The destiny of the world was never to become a dogma or doctrine. The world was always to become flesh. And the world was flesh in Christ. The, the world is flesh in you. So as you study, your new self is reconstructed. There's a deconstruction and there's a reconstruction. So there's a deconstruction of that self that is being purified by the word. 
everything, the filth is actually leaving you. And then that, that seed of God's righteousness will become, will begin to blossom and flourish. So I need you to see the way God sees you. I need you to agree with what God has says about you. Do not define yourself by the human point of view. Define yourself by the Christ point of view. Define yourself by the Christ point of view. I think it was Romans 8 verse 28. You know, I was reading that thing recently. There's a way I read my Bible. I read it not to cram and come and share. So, I quote it. I don't give some days. You have to go and be looking for it yourself. You understand? I, I, these days, I, I'll try and write them down. But I didn't read it to come and cram and be giving you 10 scriptures. So, as I'm saying it, be writing it down. The point again is that it's the life that is important. I, I study for me. I'm looking for life. The one that I live, I'll not come and share. The one I've not lived, I'll be putting, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. So my point is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ has become your life. This is what Paul called the mystery. Colossians 3 was talking about the mysteries. And this is the mysteries, that Christ in you is the mystery. Do you know what it means? That God looks at you, he doesn't see you anymore. He sees Christ. So my point is, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Christ. That's the amount of investment. God invested himself in you. Like God invested himself inside of you. So he looks, you, you, you're seeing your struggle. He's seeing the person you ought to become. Why don't you agree with him and start your journey? That's the only hope of transformation that you have. That you see what God sees about you. You agree with him on what he says about you. I wish I can excite you about some seven steps to break away behavioral, behavioral modification therapy. You know how we do that? Get a shrink. The shrink will tell you. How long has your addiction been? Guy can't play the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the, the shrink will take your money and be giving you therapy. But the greatest therapy is already the comfort inside of you. You need no other teacher but to open yourself. So when I see Christians needing shrink, honestly, sorry, I'm not judging. No, we don't judge here. But when I see, when I see, I used to say that, ah, this life of the God, there's something missing. Like you cannot have the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't be. And if the shrink is not spiritual, he needs help from you. All right, so um, I'll stop here so we can take a few questions. Um, but don't forget that the radical change God has carried out was entirely a change in your spiritual life. You have a new nature. You just have to plug into the Holy Spirit and keep praying that God will bring it to your understanding. Realize again that yourself is not the self that you're conscious of. And don't define yourself by the conf conf confines and the boundaries of your own intelligence and wisdom. Rediscover yourself in the context of Christ. Christ in you now the hope of glory. You in Christ, and Christ in you is the greatest mystery the world is waiting for. That you're no longer your own, you've been bought with a price. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees the life of Christ now hidden inside of you. The point is, if you don't see it, it will never become a manifestation in your life. But if you can look at it and see it, it will manifest in your life. What the world is waiting for, for people that will see the seed of God, that the earnest creation, everything is waiting for you to agree with who you are about God, and let the life of God show inside of you. Up until that time, we are going to be doing church, no change. Church is not the goal. The life of Christ is the goal. People are not looking for church, they're looking for Christ. I tell you, there's a difference because some people will tell you that now the church people are going for and I make another go again. So the point is, if all you all you want to do is play church, do attendance, we're missing the point. The, the goal is to become Christ, become the hands and the feet of love. Be generous when he calls you to be. And if you don't lay your life down, you can never get it. The, the beauty of the life of Christ is as we em empty ourselves, he fills us up. The new self is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in with the Father and the Son. But if you retain yourself, your ideologies, your own wisdom, you realize that it's a zero-sum game. You're praying for miracle, but you're doing connection. There's a, how do you call it? Cognitive dissonance. 
when you're praying for God to intervene, when you're punching your, 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 your strategy, like, man, this uncle, are you going to ask an uncle for favor that God didn't tell you? You were not led. It was your head. You just told the man, uncle, this is what I think you can do. I need, I need, I need, um, I need a visa. And man's like, God didn't tell me. You're not get offended like he helped you the other cause. He didn't help you. And there's a whole family crisis that there's favorites. You know, because people are not working in wisdom. The point is, don't be led by your feelings. Be led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So this life in the Spirit, sign up if you know that spirit work is not something you're doing. Just sign up so that you can get it right. All right? Thoughts, please. Questions, contribution, response. So we call it Q&R. Question and response. We plan to speak about um, idols. Idols. And, and it's been extensive. Every um, Nosa was fantastic two weeks ago. Last week was gays. And this morning, when we spoke, we spoke about it on Tuesday and, and we're praying about it. And God gave me two words. The first thing he said is, the greatest sin is the pride of life. Is what? The pride of life. Over to First Corinthians 3, the pride of life. Now, you know, it's not sex or porn or addictions that, that is the pride of life. It's the fact that some of us are hard enough not to need God. Now, guess what? I know some people who don't care about what people say about them. Not because they value God, but because what? They are proud of what? In themselves. So God said, let us make man in, in our what? In our... Say it again. No, he said in what? So God made man a community. So listen, no. God said, let's make man, not in my image, he said what? Our, so that means man is me, myself, and what? So you are, you are, you are a community, you are powerful. You are very powerful. Now, first question is, Corinthians 3. I want to show something very, 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 very important. Corinthians 3. Just, no, verse 2. We'll flow. And so, so it's, it's, you guys, this is for me priority. That, and that's what the devil wanted. He wanted to be what? Be like what? Be like God. So some of us are God to ourselves. So let's read. So, now please, flow, please read with me. What he says, David, I what? I fed you milk, not solid food. Because what? In fact, you're what? So pause. When I was younger, when they say meat and milk, I thought that meat was what? Rema. Open to verse 3. See what meat is. Because you're what? For you see what? That's what meat is. So revelation, healing is milk. It's a gift, it's milk. Do you know what meat is? Meat is what? Character. That's what meat is. He said it now. Verse 2, it's here. Read verse 2. It's here, it's not said. I fed you what? Milk. Not what? Because you're what? You were not able to what? In fact, you are still what? Because you still what? You are still fleshy. And that's and, and this is very important. So on Friday, I went to see somebody. He's a multimillionaire. He's 37 years old, 37. 
multimillionaire. He's into real estate. He sat me down. And then he spoke and spoke and he said, he said something powerful. He said, when God blessed me, I knew it was meant to be for his glory. He said it. But I know I'm leaking. So I think he humanizes because he was, you know what he's, uh, like, you're married there. Yeah. He said that and I, I caught it. Freddie said, Freddie said earlier that money is not, money doesn't blow God's mind. Hope you know that. Hope you know that. Money does not blow God's mind. How can money blow God's mind? What blows God's mind is what? Himself what? Fully in you. So me, myself, and I, is, it's a burden in my heart because I sense that some of us, the issue is not even the, the sin. Some of us is that our hearts are what? Are hard. I, I think, again, it's, these conversations are relevant because we're in the age of self. So um, here is when people wake up in the morning and we're all in the business of self-promotion. So um, I remember there was an interview I wanted to do for a newspaper. Do you know, I want it, but I don't want it like that. I'm checking it in my head like, I'll go because, you know, self-promotion, it's not God's way. So even Absalom, the son of David, one day walked his way around. He was kissing hands in, in the old Jerusalem. Came in, lovely fingers. He would kiss. Before long, he gathered out of them and said, you know, my father has been such a, a brute. His reign is over. And he recruited soldiers. With it. David ran away for a bit. But the, though he won the heart of the people and got acceptance, he didn't have God's validation. And he didn't last. Anything you seek to get without God's validation, you can't keep. Anything God has not given to you, you will need to keep it by yourself. And I can guarantee you, it is not the basis upon which you get anything. Whether it's power or relationship, anything we manipulate our way into, that God, you just know, it will take a lot of strain to keep it. If you lie away into a job, you need all the lies to keep it. If you lie away into a relationship, you need more lies to keep it. And some days, when the lies are, are, are blown over, more that comes into the picture. Because the, the, anybody that comes in as a threat, why? Acceptance is a good thing. But when you give so much of yourself for that acceptance, is a bad thing. That acceptance becomes an idol. The weight of acceptance, accolades, acceptance, name them, assurance. They are nice to have, but they are not the ultimate about life. So if you're looking for assurance, God has given you assurance in Christ. There is no other assurance that you need. That just, I don't know, some days, I hope I'm not speaking Christianese. You know, there's a way you hear church, eh? They'll say, oh yes, it will sweet you. Just like, but, but no, may it hit you. And may you not recover. Like, you have to, it has to register something in you. And you know indeed, you cannot be defined by anything other than God. Even your boss's compliments is not the thing that gets you, gets you through the day. That your best friend has not called you today doesn't mean your life has shut down. You, are, you find your meaning in God. In this age of trust me, you cannot afford to begin. No, see, you live from the applause of one. God is your audience. Every other, everybody else is just a spectator. They are not required. Their vote is not needed. God has validated you. It is not open for voting. It, has, it is sealed and delivered. Open it and live your life from it. Okay. So, this is a question I'll ask. Now, these questions, but while I ask this question, any question, and this is very important. So I, I play football. I'm a left footer, like a bad left footer. <laughs> like vampire. But then I play with some some 
some guys and they always are sugar and different. They say sugar and different always. I don't know why. And I'm very good with bread. So go back. But guess what? For eight to nine weeks straight, I played the same way. So I get the ball. I go like it was the same. So one day, MI plays football. MI called me and said, Tuchuku McFoy, do you know if you pass with your left, with your right leg, eh, you would change your play completely. To go up with the glory on Sunday last week, I scored four goals. <laughs> to, to be, no, it was advice. Now, but this is my point. My point is what Jeffrey said earlier today is that he said, You think you feel you what you act. I said, Your new nature. Most of us need to change our neural pathways. The way, so you know how on, on, I, just, I, I just played the same way every Sunday for nine weeks. This boy said, No, no, no. If you, the, my question is, How do you change? Your neural pathway. Your neural pathway. Um, medical doctors in the house, this might come to you. But I'll just show my two cents. I think neural pathways are chemicals. They are more hormonals. Alright, so and the way it works is once you do, psychologists have found out that if you do something consistently for three weeks, you develop a habit around it. That's the basic, that's the minimum period of time. So if you're consistent in doing something for three weeks, you're likely breaking a pattern and forming a new one. Alright, but then again, I would say that I don't point you to strong will. Because strong will can get you through life. You need the spirit to help you master things. There is a limitation for the, for the will, where the will of man can... Trust me, this strong will thing, you go two days and one day you crack and you realize that, what was, what was keeping me? The, the strength, your strength is in the Holy Spirit, so we have to talk to him. To give us the... To help us with that connection, that breaking our patterns and switching it up. Question? Okay, breaking patterns. Um, what you said, scripture already mentioned, he said it's not by power, it's not by mind, but by my spirit. So no matter how much it is, we we have strength. No matter how much it is, we, we've read books. Because many of us have read plenty of stuff. Some of us tried applying them, but it didn't work. I think reliance on the Holy Spirit is the best because when you're at your end, he's always there. That's, that's just what I want to say. Thank you. Something dropped into my mind and I felt like sharing. So, um, the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, most times we are proud and we don't even know it. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be our teacher. We can't know more than, more than our teachers. But then we feel like the Holy Spirit is less of a person to us. So we feel in control. So the Holy Spirit becomes more like a companion. And the Holy Spirit should be a companion, but then we, we sideline him to be a lesser person than we are. So he's somebody to run to when there's a problem, but when there are, there are other times when we are in charge. So the Holy Spirit told me he should be the one in charge because our self, our will, mind, emotion, strength, intellect, everything is supposed to be like something employed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should encapsulate everything. So when we, when we don't put him in charge, we are living a fake life because then we don't, we, we are not living our true identity, which is him. That I, I told him yesterday that um, I, I struggled with masturbation for, um, and for pornography for a bit, but I remember in school then, I went and bought books on how to break it all. Like I downloaded, there were books, articles, I read it all. And then I will not break the, the rule. Like you go on for a week or two, you're back at one. But then I remember one day I was, I, I was having a concern with one of my mentors. I was like, no, don't get fixated. 
don't focus on fix it now, fix it now. But there was this season of my life where I really wanted to know God. Not to, I just wanted to know God. So I went and God, I, I, I saw this um, uh, C.S. Lewis, Make Christianity. Like, I bought all his series. You understand? I, I just read, yes, yes. See it. Like, I got some of these books. I got this A.W. Tozer that I was first. I just, um, there was this other one, like seven of them. Then E.W. Carrion, the God kind of righteousness and God kind of love. Listen, do you know, I just got lost. I wasn't, I wasn't now thinking of breaking any habits. I was just living. I was just loving. I was just living. And then one day you wake up and realize, ah, where are they? Like, your deliverance has come. But the point is, when you start thinking, ah, no, no, you, it's a focus problem. Sometimes addiction is a focus problem. You know, find your pleasure in loving and knowing God. Knowing God is eternal life. Truth sets you free. So maybe I don't know what truth that hits me. But as I was just gazing into the, the scripture, I just realized my concept of identity was changing. And by that, by the default of that, I became free. So I need you to understand that the freedom is available in Christ. Alright? But it is not going to come by you trying to play the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need in Him. I don't know what time it's going to take you to come out. I don't know how long it will last. But I hope, I know it's not going to be a lifetime. But you will come out someday. But the point, begin the journey by just cultivating intimacy with Him. And just knowing that this is how you do life. Let it not be about anything. Don't get, don't fret. Don't even, don't fret. Don't overthink it. Just plug in. Abide. Wait. Let's bow our heads and pray. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.